Luxury is meant to be livable. Discover the new leather collection at Ashley with premium quality leather sofas, recliners, and more, all built to last. No matter how many spills, scuffs, or pet-related mishaps come its way, the leather collection at Ashley is made with the durability you need for the whole family. Shop the new leather collection at Ashley and find chairs starting at $499.99 and sofas for $599.99. Ashley, for the love of home. Hey, does anyone want to learn French with me? Because I've decided in 2024 that I want to learn French. And thankfully, I have Rosetta Stone. So you better hop on and so we can learn French together. Rosetta Stone has the amazing true accent feature, which is so helpful, especially in French. You get feedback on how well you're actually pronouncing words. Plus, they have 25 languages to choose from. So if you're not going to learn French with me, I'm sure you can find some other people who will learn a language with you. But I'm on the French team this year. Come on, folks, join me. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, and that's why we drink listeners, can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. Visit rosettastone.com slash drink. That's rosettastone.com slash drink. We're in Nashville right now. When you're listening to this, yes. Yes. Currently, we're in... Los Angeles. My house. <laughs> okay. I was trying to make it sound cooler, like, in the studio. I know. I tried, but I was like, they're going to they're they're gonna gonna call know. bullshit on that. They know who we are. <laughs> um, yeah, we're in Nashville. I'm on Propranolol. We <laughs> have been on a stage, maybe. We have. We have. Yeah, we have. We have. Two days ago. So, and might be dead. We're not sure. We're not sure. Well, Christine might be dead because yesterday was Cinco de Mayo, so. <laughs> you know what? We might not exist anymore. No, we'll find out on our own. Someone take over the podcast. Eva? Eva, are you there? Are you going to take over the podcast? That She literally moved in at the right time. Great. Such a sneak. Such a sneak. Um. Okay, so bets on how it's going to go. I think, let me start because I'm narcissistic. Um, it's not that you're narcissistic. It's that you have a lot of thoughts on this. Yeah, I don't. Wow. I've gonna, only taken months and months to stew in this. I'm just going to let you go. Um, I do this thing when I get really nervous where I sweat profusely. Oh, me too. That's why I'm always sweating. But like I, it's, it's always an all or nothing thing where like, I never really sweat, but oh. then when I get nervous, I'm drenched. All your sweat glands are like, here we go. Yeah. This is what we've been waiting for. <laughs> the, the, uh, floodgates open, I guess. Oh, great. And I'm going to be shaking a lot. I'll bring extra deodorant. Thank you. Uh-huh. Um, bring an extra shirt too. Cause great. who knows? Great. Does anyone know the color of a shirt that shows the least amount of sweat? Cause I need to wear that color. Hmm. I'll sweat. A pattern shirt. Oh yes, yep. neat patterned. Um, I think it's gonna be okay. I'm gonna black out, and then at the end, after the fact, I'm gonna be like, that wasn't so bad. It's gonna go so fast, I think, because we only have an hour, and we're gonna finish and be like, wait. It's oh, over? also, that's a really good point. That actually makes me feel better because it's gonna go. So we fast. talk for hours on this thing, and then it gets edited down surprisingly. Yeah. We're going to have to actually really figure out how to like, we're going to have to time ourselves or something or have like a timer on our phone. I'm sure they'll have a, a thing up there. And be like, okay, we can hurry up. I'm sure they'll have a thing where we can be like, okay, my turn. I will say luckily, well, maybe not luckily, I don't know, but how we always start by like just kind of catching up with each other. Yeah. No one at CrimeCon is going to care. No, so like we no. don't, we're, it's, that's and 20 I'm not minutes drinking gone. Freaking wine. Actually, I might be drinking wine. We'll see what You'll I can. You'll just pregame. We'll see what I can get away with. <laughs> oh, also, speaking of pregaming, um, our mothers are going to be there. So I'm currently with my mom. You're with your mom. Oh, the moms are probably alone together and we're probably not with them at all. So. And Allison's with her mom because her parents. What's happening? 
her parents are coming into town this weekend you know, and I'm conveniently running away. <laughs> I mean, Allison and her sister are staying at my house with Blades, so that should be quite a weird time for all. It's such a shame, though, because I really I do like her family and I want them to like get to know me. And of course, the one time that they come to L.A., I'm yeah, not going to be but, here. But absence makes the heart grow fonder. They'll they, be like, I'm so fond of them. Oh, hopefully that's what they say always. They weren't here this weekend. Uh, well, uh, I do. I am having dinner with them tomorrow, and I'm really oh, that's nervous. True. Well, that would be nice. Where are you going? I don't know. I'm I'm really nervous about it. I know I've already met them, but I really want them to like me. So I just okay. I'm doing that thing in my head where I'm imagining all of the horrible things that could like and get blurted out of my face. It's not. You are literally one of the most charming people. You're not gonna. There's no freaking way. I'm also one of the world's biggest drama queens. And not true. I tell myself every horrible thing that could go wrong. You're a drama queen in not really, not not in real life, not in front of other people. No, just neurotically. I mean, sure. Yeah. Oh, okay. Yeah. Pers- as long as personally. I like pretend that I'm really cool in front of them and it works, I guess I'm good. Yeah. I mean, that's what we do on this podcast. We're like, look how cool we are. And then we laugh because everybody's <laughs> like, no, no one thinks no. we're cool. Okay. Well, we're trying. Um, okay. Anyway, why do you drink? Oh, I have a reason. Speaking of families. So, um, blaze's parents are like my idols i love them so much and they're like really important to me and oh that's how i want allison's parents to feel about me and how i want to feel i don't know if they feel about that way about me i'm just saying that's how i feel about. well i want to feel that way about them okay so i they're they've been married since they were like 26 like they're just they have six kids Mm -hmm. and they're still happy and in love and just perfect like i just love them so much so i guess So I guess Blaze's dad was like, I'm going to listen to my future daughter-in-law's podcast. And I was like, and Blaze is telling me this and he has his face. And I'm like, what did I do? What did I say? Like, which episode? Because like, it's enough. It's like far enough when my dad listens to it where I'm like, oh, no. But like, if someone else's dad who I'm marrying. Hi, I'm mortified. Allison thought it would be like not a big deal to tell me that her parents have listened to an episode of the show. And I lost my fucking mind. It's not. It's I'm. I immediately remember how much I hate myself and I'm like, what, what did I say? And what did you hear? It doesn't matter what reviews we have on iTunes. It's like everything I've said is, is garbage. Like, especially, okay. At least, you know, Blaze's parents, but like, I've literally met Allison's parents one time. Let me tell you the story. Oh no. And then we'll get started. So what (laughs) happened was he listened. Good old Len. Listen to the episode where, (laughs) oh no, where I said, there's a new member of the family. And he thought, he paused the show and thought I was fucking pregnant. And like, (laughs) and he was hearing it on the podcast. He was like my first grandchild. And I have to hear about it. And like told his wife, told Sherry and like called Blaze. (laughs) And it was like a whole thing. And Blaze is like, what are you talking about? Because he doesn't listen to the damn podcast. Like, what do you mean? Like, Christine's not pregnant. And it was a whole thing. And everyone was like, Christine's pregnant. And I was like, mother of God. He thinks that I'm just drinking. By the way, I had already talked about how much I was drinking. And then I was like, (laughs) by the way. And he's like, I thought Christine was having our first grandchild and was drinking about it. And you didn't tell us. And she was just going to announce it on the podcast. Anyway, I'm really scared to look him in the eye now. I like that uh, Blaze's father really read into my... Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Are you pregnant? Like me hyping him up. It wasn't you saying, are you pregnant? You were going, you're pregnant. (laughs) You're pregnant. Okay. But this is karma for you because you thought it'd be funny. And look what happens. Your father-in-law thought you were pregnant. I regret everything so hard. I'm so nervous about whatever I've ever, anything I've said. 
It's too late. And then finding, like, if Allison's parents try to say anything about the podcast, I'm just going to immediately feel horrible. I'm going to be like, they're going to be supportive. They whatever really you like heard, it. I'm so no. sorry. And also, I've never cussed in my life. Also, I love talking about the Bible. <laughs> I don't know. God is my best friend. What's the opposite of what Your we do? Your daughter is second. <laughs> I don't know. I'm actually married to God, so too bad. <laughs> um, hey. Yeah. I also wanted to say something, and I forget what it was. So oh. instead, I'm going to tell you about Alcatraz. Are we ready for that, or do you have something no, else to I'm talk No, I'm ready about? to talk about, Alcatraz? You talk about Alcatraz. I've been waiting for two weeks for Alcatraz. I know, but we had to talk about Golden State. Fucking Golden State Killer ruined, ruined everything. He's always, there's always got to be someone. He's always in the way. Um, okay, so I went to Alcatraz with Blaze, and on our boat ride there, he was like, why do you want to talk about this on the podcast? Because of the murderers? And I was like, Blaze, no, because like, it's haunted. He goes you mean it's haunted it's not haunted and i was like okay you clearly don't ever listen to this show <laughs> and he's like why are there ghosts like it just was so infuriating so i was like just be quiet and we'll enjoy the rest of the day <laughs> i would have been the exact same I... way because not only that but it's one of the very first episodes so it shows like no support real in the beginning early, <laughs> real early and like he said he says he's listened to the first 15 he's like i just don't remember and i'm like how could Okay. Literally, Alcatraz is named one of the most haunted places on That's the planet. What I said. And he's like, okay. And I'm like, don't patronize me. Anyway, <laughs> go stand over there. Go start That's your tour a over there. Direct quote don't patronize me from the ferry to Alcatraz. Uh, <laughs> wow, it sounds really romantic so far. Oh, yeah, it was. Um, and then on the way, I got you, or wait, not. On you the got way. me something. What? I got you some stuff on the way. <gasps> or on the way. Why do I keep saying that? Is on the way to? I didn't buy it on the Did ferry. Did you get it on the ferry? I bought you some Skittles on the ferry. No. Oh, uh, I was about to get really fucking pumped. <laughs> no, I know. I saw it in your eyes. Sorry <laughs> to disappoint you. I went to the gift shop and I got some stuff um, for like the studio or for you or for wherever you want to put it. And you already called out what one of them was. So Is that for me? Well, yeah. <gasps> no way. What is it? The cup? Yeah. Okay. It's so. Okay. So here's the thing. And I also very perfect. Finally, the wine box has a use for me. I can't see what's behind on the chair. Oh, good. So um, that's why I put it there. Oh, yeah. The wine box. Um, OK, so I've gone to Alcatraz a whole bunch of times. I actually used to live in San Francisco when I was a toddler. So I can't say I remember much of it, but I know that that used to be a regular place we went. And I know whenever family was in town, that was the place we went. Right. All the normal stuff. And then I've also been to San Francisco since then multiple times. And I've gone to Alcatraz at least three or four times. And it's so fucking cool. Every time I always want to go, I'll never get tired of it. And um, the gift shop there, a lot of the stuff looks like, I mean, also I, I'm from like movie prop world. So like items that really look like they're like fresh out of the moment like yeah. are so cool to me and so they have all of these things they have like t-shirts that look like the inmate church which is kind of on the nose of fucked up but still mm. interesting then they've got like the um, like the same type of silverware like and the food trays and meal sets that like they ate off of like the type of plates they ate off of and um just a lot of little knickknacks and tchotchkes from like the stories of things that have happened there but i have seen this one cup there that they used to eat out uh they used to drink out of in the cafeteria tin cup and i've wanted it every single time but i can never get myself to actually buy it or like i didn't have my wallet or something like that and then i came here after christine went to alcatraz and i was like is that the cup and is I was that like, close your eyes <laughs> don't look at it so i know about the cup but well, i don't know okay. about anything else well, so i got you this cup and i i picked it up and i was like oh i'm getting this for him and blaze was like 
oh why and i was like because it's really cool and blaze was like okay and then i found this he's like look at this cool thing i'm like yeah i'm getting that too he's like oh you didn't put the cup back i'm like i'm not putting the cup back i'm buying <laughs> the damn cup it's kind of okay it says oh it's so cool oh wow it's so cool it looks like i i'm fr- it's like i was there like really What's there usp oh united, united states, states prison, prison. <laughs> usp alcatraz i'm thinking like rss wow it really if it, it's like i it's, it's like I'm, it's like cold it's metal. like i went through into time and actually grabbed it fun i mean that's what i want you to feel like here's the second thing oh, it's man. just a fun little like <gasps> i like, saw this on your table downstairs i know you did i know you did but i thought i thought it was like for alex or something it this is a, for me yeah i got a little bent i'm sorry because i don't care it looks I like only, it was used I only gently had a purse with me <laughs> so i had to shove it in there uh, wow this a is cool so pennant, cool an alcatraz pennant it's like an old vintage like football flag that you like hang in your room on yeah, the wall yeah. but yeah, it yeah. says alcatraz and it looks old school too like it's very vintagey colors this is awesome I'm sorry it has some bends in it and then finally this is for the studio oh what? No, see. i forget what it says what is this okay yeah it's um one of the the one of the regulations from alcatraz <gasps> and i i I I looked through all of the regulations there. They have these like metal placards. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I looked through all of them and I was like, this one seems to apply most directly to our podcast. So I bought this okay. one. Okay. You can read it all Okay. Loud. Regulation number 30. Cell house rules. Loud talking, shouting, whistling, singing, or other unnecessary noises are not permitted. So <laughs> the podcast is quite an unnecessary noise. So much unnecessary so noise we're happens. definitely breaking, we're breaking this it. whole thing. This is so cool. Also... One, thank you before I become a jerk and just don't thank you. No, but no. also, I love how, how, like, how deep into this friendship are we that Blaze still doesn't understand that we just, we don't just buy one fucking present <laughs> for like, each other. Has he put, seen Christmas? like, I want the, you want the pennant, so put the cup back. I was like, you can First go. of all, I feel so bad for your kids because it sounds like they're only allowed one present a year. Well, I think it's because he's one of six, so like maybe Oh, he's that's used why. to that? See, I'm an only child. I'm like, oh, I want that and, and that and that. also the oldest, so he's like, well, all the younger ones get like... That's such a sad life. I know, but he's like, doesn't seem to mind. But <sighs> I make a big Not deal me. out of his birthday and it, like, he's always like, oh, why? And I'm like, because it's a special day. <laughs> anyway. Anyway, um, if he has, he, he clearly hasn't been at either of our birthdays or Christmas where we bought each other like 10 things each. Oh, uh, he was there, but he was playing Pokemon on his computer. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Well, thank you for this. This is awesome. going to hang this up tonight. I'm sorry. It's so wrinkly. I don't care. All it's, right. I mean, it was going to get wrinkled anyways from my negligence. So <laughs> thank you for doing it for me. You're welcome. Yeah. And also, I mean, do you want me to keep the cup here? Would that be no, nice no. to you? I feel like it's a haunted thing. Bring it. No. How about, okay. How about this? Use it whenever you want. Okay, here's I'm the thing. I'm not going to drink wine out of it. Or <gasps> will I? I was going to say. <laughs> um, okay, how about we pick one and it stays in the studio and the other one comes home with me? No, just take them home. Are you sure? Yes, they're, they're But they're a haunted thing. Yeah, but all this shit stays in my house anyway because it's in the studio. So you might as well take okay. your belongings home. As if you're going to okay. want them and use them. If they're Fuck not yeah. Cluttering up your space. No, okay. cluttering my... I I'll literally put the own regulation nothing. up to make sure we remember the regulation thing oh yeah yeah yeah. okay i forgot that existed yes, yes. So i want all that i want both of them now okay um did you have a favorite part of the tour besides like the classic i mean head. it's gotta be the classic like escape thing but 
I really liked the cafeteria when they, they had the, the menu. menu. Yeah. The menu gets me every they time. They had the menu up from 1963 and I was like, holy smokes. It just feel, I don't know how to explain that feeling, but it feels like you really, it is so the feeling of being transported in time yeah. and everything is as authentic as it can yeah. possibly be from a time that is nothing like it is today is just the coolest feeling. It's such a cool feeling. And there's so many people there, but like somehow when you're just like listening to this tour and you're looking around and you're looking at all the cells and like the actual places they ate lunch and dinner. Yeah. It's like someone that happened, like yeah. actual history happened right there. It doesn't even matter how crowded it is. It's so cool. Did you, we're going to get emails. Did you go in the solitary confinement by yourself? I did. Yeah? And so did Blaze. And was it the creepiest? Did you see the photo? Blaze is in there with a, and that's where your drink shirt on. Oh, wow. He's supportive all of a sudden? Weird. Um, yeah, our, he wore that shirt the whole time. And I'm like, you are not repping our brand, sir. And someone could be like, what's that? And he'd be like, I don't know. He'd be like, uh, a shirt. <laughs> um, okay. What did you think um, of solitary confinement? It. I don't like it. It's so weird how it's so, how silence can be so loud. It's like you're suddenly you're with hundreds of people mm-hmm. and you're like, fuck all these tourists. Yeah. And then you close the door and you're like, I regret it. Take me back out to all the screaming children. Isn't it crazy? The story of like the button and how they would like, yeah, throw the button. They would rip a button off their uniform your while you're in the room. Yeah. Tell the story. Sorry. No. Um, I said it in the original episode and oh, yeah. episode four, I think. That's why. Yeah. Um, the, the people in solitary confinement just to give them something to do so they wouldn't go crazy in there is they would bite one of their buttons off of their uniform and then throw it and cover their ears so they couldn't hear where it landed. And then they would get on their hands and knees and just crawl around and look for the button and then do it again over and over until they fell asleep just to give themselves something to do so they wouldn't crack. So much fun. Anyway. Yikes. I love Alcatraz. It was so cool, you guys. I know probably a lot of you have been, but if you haven't, check it out. It's a good time. Uh, well, and San for Fran- us. well, sure. <laughs> Whoops. It's so fun. No, and San That's Francisco funny. in general was just so fucking cool. And I loved it there. So I want to go back. This podcast is brought to you by Squarespace, the all-in-one website platform for entrepreneurs to stand out and succeed online. Everyone knows the holidays can take a toll on your bank account. If you're looking for creative ways to increase revenue, then get started with Squarespace's new feature, Squarespace Courses. Squarespace has the tools you need to create and sell your own online course. Start with a professional layout that fits your brand, upload video lessons to teach techniques and skills, and tailor your course with the powerful built-in Fluid Engine Editor. With Squarespace courses, you can create engaging content your audience will love, then simply add a paywall and set the price. Plus, you can charge a one-time fee or sell subscriptions. Turn your creativity into income with Squarespace courses. Head to squarespace.com for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, go to www.squarespace.com slash drink to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. It feels very fitting that Juniper is currently sitting on my lap uh, because we all want our cats to be healthy and happy because when they're happy, we're happy. But because we're not mind readers, we don't always know when they're unwell. And in my experience, cats are not the most, you know, open when it comes to sharing their woes. And there goes Junie, literally jumped right off me. So helping us keep tabs on our cat's health is just one reason you should use Pretty Litter. Pretty Litter's ultra absorbent crystals trap odor instantly. No more cat bathroom smell, thank God. Pretty Litter's super light crystal base also minimizes mess and dust. 
Plus, the crystals last up to a month, which means less scooping and fewer trips to the garbage can for Blaze, because that's his job. Here's the coolest thing about Pretty Litter. It changes colors to help monitor early signs of potential illness in our cats, including urinary tract infections and kidney issues. And Pretty Litter ships free right to your door in a small, lightweight bag. Pretty Litter has changed the game. The litter box is right near Leona's room, and so it is very delightful to not have that litter smell all the time when she's taking a nap. Plus, we can rest easy knowing that Juniper and his little kidneys are healthy. Pretty Litter helps keep tabs on my cat's health and keeps odors down. You and your cat are going to love Pretty Litter as much as we do. Go to prettylitter.com slash ATWWD and use code ATWWD to save 20% on your first order. That's prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD to save 20%. prettylitter.com slash ATWWD, code ATWWD. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. You ready for a story? I'm so ready. Bring it on. Okay. Let's get comfy. What do you think this is about? It's just my favorite game. I'm always so wrong. It's not a haunted toy. It's Damn never. It. <laughs> it's never a haunted toy. It's never a haunted toy. I blew through those real quick. What about a graveyard? No. Okay. Well, I tried. You want to pick a different topic? Aliens. Yeah. Wait, really? Yeah. I said that earlier. Like I know you brought it up earlier. Of like, oh, remember that one time you did an alien story that worked? Really, that was a really good one. You I should do like, that it again was so soon. Popular. And oh. I was like, <laughs> wow, okay. that's trippy. Okay, great. Okay, so this is the infamous, infamous, but I didn't know it fucking existed until I read the notes. <clears throat> um, the infamous story of Travis Walton. Have you heard of this at all? I don't think so. Okay, that's fine. I don't know. So this happened back in 75. Okay. And the one that I told originally, the most famous abduction story of Betty and Barney Hill. Right. That happened in the early 60s. So there's only about a 10-year difference between these stories. Okay. Um, but so Betty and Barney Hill was the first famous abduction that people really like paid attention to. But the Travis Walton story is the first to be given serious interest by mainstream science. And it caused a lot of non-believers to reconsider. Holy shit. Because it's one of the only alien abduction cases with corroborative eyewitnesses. Oh, snap. (laughs) I'm so pumped right now. So it was in 1975 in November. And a guy, Travis Walton, was 22 and he lived in Snowflake, Arizona. No comment. (laughs) First of all, okay. Uh, first of all, remember when great. I said no comment. Um, first of all, first comment. Uh, like political things aside, it doesn't snow in Arizona. No, and that's why for like the first two hours of me doing notes, I thought he was in Snowflake, Alaska, because <laughs> AZ, which <laughs> Alaska. Which, by the way, there isn't a Snowflake, Alaska. I just thought Alaska's like fuck Snowflake. We have avalanches. <laughs> fuck you, Arizona. We have blizzards. <laughs> I just assumed Snowflake. I was like, oh, clearly he lives in Alaska. And then I was listening to this whole story and I was like, I don't know much about what's going on in Alaska, but I imagine this would be like popular enough that we would have heard of it, especially because it was in a town called Snowflake, Alaska, but it's not. But Arizona, that's just bananas. Anyway, okay, go on. Snowflake Desert. Sure. The two biggest things that are not the same. It's really memorable. Um, Okay. So 1975, Travis Walton, 22, Snowflake, Arizona. Um... He was working with his friend Mike Rogers, and Mike had a was uh, contracted with the Forest Service, okay. the United States Forest Service, and he was 
doing a job and he asked his friend Travis to go on the job with him and they were doing like logging or something something lumbery I like to think he had like a little thing that was like snowflake forest ranger yeah snowflake forest <laughs> snowflake forest <laughs> that sounds like something on like Candyland controlling the snowflake forest um so <laughs> the snowflake desert I guess yeah 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 so uh Mike and Travis not only worked together, but they were best friends. Travis was even dating Mike's sister, Dana, and they ended up actually later on in life getting married. Oh. Um, so it was Mike and Travis and then uh, five other guys on the crew who were also friends. And on November 5th at six o'clock at night after they were working, the crew finished up their job and they got into Mike's truck so they could all drive back to Snowflake. Okay. Let's remember this is also like seven guys. So like they're in like the back of a pickup truck. Okay. Before people are like, how did seven people fit? Which, by the way, in my high school days, I can confirm that many people can fit in a car. Hell yeah. Well, and especially in the 70s, no one gives a fuck. Yeah, exactly. What seatbelts don't exist. So um, I know they do. Don't try and email me about it. (laughs) Don't email us about car safety. (laughs) We know. (laughs) We're making a joke. I'm This is a comedy podcast. Okay. So, um, I like how we have to be such dicks about that now. It's like, okay, please. I'm really not trying to be a dick. I just want people to know. We're I, not trying to, but also we don't want to answer 50 people telling us what a seatbelt is. But so. I don't, I don't want people to think that I don't aggressively care about rules because I'm German and I care about seatbelts so much. Christine's never used a seatbelt and she <laughs> only texts when she drives. So. I don't, I, I only text. I don't. I, what? You just said she only texts when she drives. Yes. I only text. I don't look at the road. I don't. Yeah. I close my eyes and I text. Well, you also just stop your car in the middle of traffic, too. Right. Really abruptly. Yes. But mostly... And then scream at other people because they're mad at you for some reason. That doesn't make sense. Yeah. And also, if someone's going really fast behind me, then I stop in the middle of traffic. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. I know. Okay. Just to make sure. I've been in the car with you. Right. Right. So, the crew got in the truck, in the back of a pickup truck, and they were driving back to Snowflake. Mm-hmm. And the... Basically, they all reported that as they began driving home, they saw a bright light from behind a hill and they drove closer and closer like it was toward they had to drive that direction, not like they drove towards it. Sure. They drove towards it because they had to and saw a large silver disc hovering right over them and it was shining really brightly. It was about eight feet tall. Oh, not eight feet above them. The actual vehicle was eight feet tall and 20 feet in diameter. Okay. So Mike stopped the truck and immediately Travis like jumped out of the truck and ran towards it. Oh, shit. And in hindsight, in interviews, he said, I can't explain it. I was awestruck and entranced by the beauty of the thing. I thought it would take off, but it didn't. So he like ran towards it to like stare at it, thinking it'd fly away. Oh, my God. Apparently, the other guys started shouting at him to come back to the truck. And then the guys ended up reporting that they saw Travis basically right underneath the flying object. And then the flying object began to make a noise similar to a turbine. And it started wobbling from side to side. And a beam of bright blue and green light came out and hit Travis. Like, hit his whole body. So exactly like you would think... Or like a beam comes right, down right. and you're encompassed in the beam. Beam me up, Scotty. Exactly. Beam me up, Travis. <laughs> God. I'm sorry. And uh, basically there's a quote that says, Travis rose a foot into the air, his arms and legs outstretched and shot back 10 feet while <laughs> caught in the light. So oh, he was just like l- literally on his like back. suspended in it? Yeah, he was just floating in the light. Oh, no. They got so scared that they drove off. 
<laughs> they literally drove <laughs> like by Travis. <laughs> they were like, peace, buddy. That's a good friend. Because he was suspended and he was, I guess, he was just floating there. And then he ends up getting thrown out of the beam. And his right shoulder hit the ground and his body sprawled over the ground and he ended up unconscious. Whoa. And so like he's on the ground and they're able to grab him and that's when they take off. Oh, so they had seen this. They saw that happen and they were like, bye. They were probably like, <laughs> oh, those things are going to fucking hurt yeah, us. Yeah, they were like, if, if they can pull him up in the air and uh-huh, hang him uh-huh. and then... We're not safe in this truck. Exactly. But so out of fear, out of blind fear, they drove and then they realized that they forgot him and so they drove well, oh, back. Oh, they were like, holy shit, Travis. They literally forgot Travis. Oh, fuck. They I were mean, like, I guess Get I can't out. blame them. It's like. And also now in hindsight, in um, interviews, Travis says like he thinks what they did was heroic and that they came back knowing that that oh, could I happen can't to them. they came back. I'm like, I thought they saw what happened and were like, bye, we're <laughs> never coming yeah. back. <laughs> See you never. Wow. So. They got scared, drove off. They forgot about him, so they drove back to get him, and he was gone. <laughs> they called the police and reported, did a missing persons report. I wish we could hear that 911 call. Yeah. I uh, so do. There's a guy missing. One of our bros, Travis. So, like, there's this blue and green light. Like, <laughs> I, let's not, let's no, just make a long story short. Shrooms. I'm telling you it happened. So, Deputy Sheriff Ellison, he, um, he was the one that took the call and he met with them to hear like their case on the missing persons report. And he was quoted saying if they were acting, they were awfully good at it. Ooh. Like that they were just terrified. There Apparently was a big group of them. So there was six men. They would have had to all be. And two of them were crying. <gasps> like they were scared. Boys don't cry. <laughs> they never do. <laughs> Boys, if you cry, don't stop. Stop crying. That's for girls only. I don't know who thought they could tell you to do that. They were wrong. Boys and girls are not equal. Oh, my God. No. Oh, my God. Do not email us. We're making a joke. Boys are really strong and girls cry a lot. And girls are not strong. No. Yeah. I got you. Okay. Glad we're on the same I'm page. right there with you. Great. So all of them were very convincing that there right. was that they saw a UFO. And the officers immediately became suspicious because there was no physical evidence to prove it. But more police and volunteers kept showing up to the the area where he was last seen, and they couldn't find a trace of him. But they originally obviously assumed that he was not abducted, that he was just lost in the woods. And they were afraid that if they didn't find him soon, since it was November in the winter, he was going to catch hypothermia and die out in the woods. Fuck. So they were originally looking for him so they wouldn't find a dead body in the woods later, not because they thought he was actually abducted. Like, they just wanted to find, like... A lost guy. They well, weren't right. really, they weren't taking the UFO thing seriously like, yet. This is Snowflake, Arizona. You will freeze to death. Right. <laughs> and uh, so they ended up. The officers ended up going to his mother's house and telling his mother. And his mother asked weirdly calmly if anyone else knew about this yet, <gasps> which what? apparently struck suspicion amongst the cops. Well, yeah. At about three a.m. that morning. Uh, the mother then called her other son, Dwayne, like freaked out that he was gone. And Dwayne got in a car and drove to Snowflake to be with her. Okay. At this point, there's still no trace of him. And there was a lot of suspicions that the UFO was a cover up story for a homicide that all of his friends actually killed him. <gasps> Fuck. And so all these guys were now like being treated uh, yeah. as suspects that they murdered him. Oh my God. And... Among the people who started showing up, because basically everyone wanted to know what was going on, like UFO 
people like people who were really interested in like aliens and stuff were coming to snowflake cops were coming to snowflake they were um using like helicopters and horse mounted officers and jeeps and dogs like everything to find this guy holy shit and like just to, they had news reporters they had ufoologists they had people who were just curious in the paranormal us um <laughs> em and christine were there i heard <laughs> going to snowflake just to either like they didn't know what they were looking for like for all they knew they were just looking for proof of a homicide or they were looking for proof of an of a ufo abduction. right it was like a mystery yeah and so one of the people that showed up, his name was Fred Sylvanus, and he was a UFO investigator, and he interviewed them a lot. A lot of their interviews are still online. And Mike Rogers, his best friend, was noted saying that because of the search, he was going to be unable to complete his contract with the Forest Service. And his best friend, Dwayne, said... Wasn't it his brother? What? Oh, I thought Dwayne was his brother. Oh, yeah, no... Dwayne is his brother and Mike is his best friend. They, oh, and they oh were, Dwayne is Mike's best friend. Yeah, okay. I can... Sorry. Jesus, no, you're... Hang on. I'm messing it up. Travis is the guy who's abducted. Yes. Mike is his best friend. Dwayne is his brother. So you are you were right. Oh, 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 okay. Dwayne is the brother. But the brother and the best friend were being interviewed at the same time. Got it, got it, got it, got it. And Mike said um, that he was not going to be able to complete his contract with the Forest Service. And Dwayne, the brother, said that him and Travis grew up always being interested in UFOs and always said... That if they ever saw a UFO, they would take the chance and run up to no! it. Oh, what a weird thing to say if you don't know where you're... Oh, my God. And Dwayne also said that he had seen a UFO himself 12 years earlier. Holy um, shit, that's creepy. So without meaning to do so, that interview between the two of them ended up creating, like, a solid, like, uh, foundation for, like, people being skeptical of them later. Oh, shit. Which I'll get into in a little bit. Excuse me. So... Marshall Flake, which by the way, it's hysterical that there's Hold a Marshall on. Flake of Snowflake. There's a Snowflake Did Flake. Make this story up. Yes. <laughs> what if you were like, you so to pull this shit on me before? So. Marshall Flake of Snowflake, Arizona. Oh, the poor guy. He never had a chance, huh? <laughs> and uh, so he showed up and suggested that the mom was hiding something or someone. And people started saying that that wasn't true. And so she made this rule where she would only interview people like away from her house because she was afraid of people like trying to like look through her shit and try to find them. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there was another guy named Spalding and he uh, worked with the ground saucer watch. Oh, yeah. Me too. Uh, the GSW, which was another UFO investigative organization. And Spalding said that the organization was offering to provide a doctor for an exam if he ever came home and oh he also suggested that as soon as someone finds travis to tell him to not pee until he gets tested <gasps> just to see if there's anything in his system what like if the aliens injected him with stuff okay 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 um so anyway five days later out of nowhere shut up travis shows shut up. up so he's been missing for five days shut up literally the dogs are out looking for him has he peed though <laughs> that's what i want to know um basically at, at this time he's currently wandering around and nobody knows this while this is happening mike and the remaining crew workers are taking polygraph exams because people think that they murdered yeah. him and so they're taking polygraph tests and um being asked if any of them caused harm or knew if anyone caused harm they all said no no one had touched him no one knew where he was and the official report states quote these polygraph examinations prove that these five men 
did see some object that they believed to be a UFO and that Travis Walton was not injured or murdered by any of these men. If the UFO was not real, all five of these men had no prior knowledge of it. (gasps) Whoa. So all five of them swear by it and their polygraph said yes. That's bonkers. So I just got chills. Travis Walton is walking around right now, five days later, and this is his side of the story. Oh my God. Okay. I'm ready. After approaching the UFO that night, the last thing he remembers was being struck by a beam of blue and green light. Oh, that happened. I remember that. Uh, We all do. (laughs) I was there. When he woke up, he was on a reclined bed with a bright light above him and the air was heavy and wet. I don't, I don't like that one bit. Thanks. He was in severe pain and had trouble breathing. But his first thought was that he was just in a normal hospital, so he didn't think twice or like... He's like, oh, that's fine. I'm just in a hospital. He's like, oh, I'm in a hospital. That happens. And then he realized that the three figures around him weren't nurses and they were wearing orange jumpsuits and the figures were not human. Oh, they weren't nurses, but also they weren't. (laughs) (laughs) They weren't. These don't look like nurses to me. In fact, (laughs) they don't look like people. Okay. They look like the so-called greys. Oh, I don't like that. And his exact description is shorter than five feet. They had bald heads, no hair, which is what a bald head is. Um, (laughs) Good point. He then said, well, maybe no body hair. Oh, okay. I don't know. He then said their heads were domed and very large. They looked like giant fetuses. Cute. Enormous eyes without much white in them. Their eyes just stared through me. Besides their eyes, their ears, nose, noses, and mouths seemed really small, maybe just because their eyes were so huge. Yeah, definitely not nurses. That checks out. (laughs) I know a nurse. Jesus. So then he says he felt weak. He has an aching body and a migraine, but he was able to get to his feet and he shouted at the creatures to stay away. He grabbed a glass-like cylinder from a shelf next to him and tried to break it to make a knife, but found the object unbreakable so instead he waved it at the creatures as a weapon they were probably like oh honey that's not gonna work well it scared them away they left the room oh but i will take the second to talk about one of my wild high school stories so (laughs) oh i'm gonna sit back and get ready for this so i used to be um i never drank and i never did anything but i still participated in several of those uh stereotypical high school teen parties where it gets way out of hand I feel like that makes you worse because you're like you weren't even yeah i inebriated <laughs> as an excuse i actively chose that you were lifestyle soberly participating yeah and it was like if anyone has seen project x where like that one party went so out of hand that like things were on fire and the car ended up in the pool it almost it never got to that point but everyone that i did party with in high school we've all watched that movie together and it took a really long time into the movie to be like oh no we haven't gone that far like <laughs> you're like this really tracks with our experience like it we were trying to see like at what point we could no longer relate to the movie and it got really far and into the movie all i did was listen to <laughs> follow-up and eat so many mike and eggs i don't understand how- i had such a great high school experience i had like the exact high school experience everyone like hopes for out of the movies literally it was all a good i did time. was eat candy and listen to fall boy i don't know how such you, a good I, time. Okay. anyway tell your story so one of the um parties that this story relates and it made me think of this is that we had one party it was a wild wild party there was like easily 100 people there and deirdre's brother who's also married to cc now he was getting into a fight with someone downstairs i don't remember the other guy's name but he he was getting into a fight with this guy and 
so Deirdre's brother's name is Ryan. Mm-hmm. Ryan was unable to handle this guy. Like this guy was just unbelievably drunk. Uh-oh. And Ryan has a best friend, Adam. And Adam and, and him have been friends for as long as me and Deirdre have. So all, all of us have grown up together. And Adam has that best friend blind loyalty. Uh-oh. Adam was hammered but saw that his best friend was about to get in a fight oh christ and so adam was like i'm gonna beat this guy's ass i'm gonna freaking kill him if i have to and so adam trying to be like really tough literally takes his shirt off in the middle of the party (laughs) and is screaming at this guy grabs an empty beer bottle and tries to smash it against the beer pong table but it won't break and so as he's trying to look so cool but he's literally like the whole vibe paused just Honey. so he could try to like smack the and bottle he's not on the wearing t- a shirt and he was smacking the table easily five or six times and it wouldn't break oh bud <laughs> and he was trying to look so tough but anyway so this it reminded me By of that hit number three like you gotta just drop it and like leave. just give up just give up just give it's up. not gonna work anyway that i thought of that when he was like it wouldn't break so he just waved it around and i was like that's exactly what Adam he's did. like i got a bottle <laughs> It doesn't break, but... But it's really hard, and I'll hit you with it. Poke you in the eye with it. Anyway, shout out to Adam. Hey, Adam. Um, Come to my next party. You sound like a riot. <laughs> no, yeah, I don't know if you want that crowd there. <laughs> Maybe not. <laughs> they would turn into Project X. <laughs> um, okay, so anyway, they got scared enough, and so they walked out. And skeptics find this story really hard to believe because if he was as weak as he says he was, how was Travis then able to jump out of the Adrenaline! operating table? That's what I'm Sorry. saying. I mean, adrenaline makes people do crazy things. You lift a broken bus. legs do crazy things. Like you can. Okay. No, I'm with you. Okay. So they ended up leaving. The aliens ended up walking out of the room and he didn't know where he was. So he was trying to leave. He left the exam room that he was in and ended up in a room that was in the shape of a circle. So the waiting he, room. There was highlights. He was in the Oval Office. <laughs> oh, we went different directions. Oh, Okay. <laughs> The, the Oval Office waiting room. He was in a circular shaped room and it had only one chair and it was in the center. Oh, oh no. As he walked towards the chair, which Travis. Don't you. No, no, no. As he walked towards the chair, lights began to appear in the room. Um, Travis sat in the chair. What? I don't get it. Maybe he's just in so much pain. He has to sit Yeah, there. right. Yeah. The adrenaline. And uh, <laughs> so he sat, in, he sat in the chair and the room was filled with lights like the second he sat down, it was almost like motion censored that then all of a sudden all these stars projected on the ceiling like a planetarium. Oh, wow. But what he thinks it is, is like he sat down in like the next to the motherboard or something and could see out of the ship at the actual stars. Oh, shit. Um, That's amazing. I, technology is a fancy thing, especially when it's especially not on 1975. Earth. <laughs> 1975, not Earth. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Um, so he was sitting in the room filled with lights and the chair so the chair had two different things on its arms so on the left arm of the chair there was a short lever with an oddly shaped handle and on the right there was a bright neon green screen about five inches tall with black lines all over it who knows what that means all right walton decided to push the lever yeah. which what okay no comment why would why would you you're literally on something that you don't understand travis so Travis pushed the lever and he says that the stars started to rotate around him slowly. So it's like he had a like a controlled planetarium oh of the actual God. stars. 
And then he said when he released the lever, the stars remained at their new positions. So, like he was like basically he turning, was turning them. the ship. Or he whatever. was turning the ship or he was turning like the, the sure. dimension, not the dimensions, the perspective yeah, yeah, yeah. of the planetarium. And he stopped using the lever because he was like, I don't need to find out anything else. <laughs> and he left. And when he got out of the chair, the stars started to disappear. <gasps> so like the chair really was wow, like the on button. That's pretty cool. He heard a sound behind him, and it was a tall human figure. No. Wearing blue coveralls and a glassy helmet. Stop. Why are they always wearing blue coveralls? I'm sorry. <laughs> These stories are all the aliens that are trying to I be I mean, humans. even in Deliverance, they're wearing blue coveralls. Fuck, dude. No. <laughs> um, at the time, he did not realize how odd the man's eyes were, because Great. they were larger than normal, and they were gold. Uh, that ought to do it but he was also wearing a glassy helmet to cover it and he was also surrounded by actual aliens so I he guess. was also on a spaceship so travis get your shit together are you okay he asked the man a number of questions but the man only grinned and motioned for travis to follow him uh so travis did the wrong thing and he followed the man to a door. Travis just keeps running after everything that's going to... He's like a force to be reckoned with. He really just finds trouble. He seeks it out. Yeah. He's like, where's where's the, the right way to leave? And then how do I go the opposite way? <laughs> he like heads into the dead end of the corn maze. You know what I'm saying? Classic Travis. <laughs> so uh, the man motioned for him to follow him. And Travis followed him and saw other disc-shaped crafts. The man led him to another room where there were three more human figures resembling Helmet Man. They were not wearing helmets. And so Travis asked them questions and they responded by just grinning <gasps> and grabbed his arm <gasps> and led him to a table. And once he was seated on the table, the woman held a device like an oxygen mask over his face. And before he could fight back, he passed out. Okay, can you imagine all of these golden-eyed alien creatures grinning at once? Like, it really... I know. It's upsetting. Just grinning and touching you lightly. And just being like, come with me. It, but yeah. not even saying come with me, just motioning. That really... I, the thing that freaks me out is they... Like, the reason they weren't saying anything is because they literally didn't know what he was saying. And they could not speak English. Like, they were just motioning because they could not understand him. Like, he was probably just babbling to them, and they were like, okay, what just come they here. What though? Cause sometimes and the they people... knew if they opened their mouth. It's kind of like that guy from Galaxy Quest, where every time he talked, he was like, rah, 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 rah. well, maybe they don't speak, like, you know what I mean? Like, maybe they speak differently, because the ones that came oh, yeah. during Mothman, like, they spoke, like, through, telepathically through your head. So, yeah, like, yeah, you yeah. would hear them speak, but You're they right. Maybe they don't speak with their, their mouths. mouths. And they would pretend to be human, so they would talk, but you wouldn't. Their mouths wouldn't move, and you would just hear it in your head. Ugh. Okay. And they wore blue cumbrels. Just saying. <laughs> they creepy, always do. Creepy, creepy. So, guys, if you ever see anyone in blue coveralls, call the police. Run. Okay. So, anyway, he could not fight back when they put the oxygen mask-ish thing on him, and he passed out. When he woke up, he was outside of a gas station. <gasps> In a town over from Snowflake, Arizona. No way! One of the disc-shaped crafts was hovering just above the highway, and after a moment, the craft flew away, and Travis stumbled to a telephone and called his brother-in-law. Holy shit. He thought only a few hours had passed. Uh-oh. Five days had Holy passed. Holy shit! And everyone has been looking for him. Yeah. Was he, like, super skinny? Like, had he eaten? Literally people from out of town and news reporters and helicopters were looking for this guy. Holy and his, all of his best friends had been put in polygraphs for f possibly murdering him. I mean, you have to remember that, like, Imagine dogs... if he just texted them. I know it's 1975, but imagine <laughs> that was today, and he's texting them being like, where are you at? And he'd be like... They'd be like and the what police the... were like, 
we're holding this where phone. are you at yeah, seriously um he is quoted saying um his experience at the time they forced me down on a table but i lost consciousness and the next thing i remember is waking up on a highway consciousness returned to me on the night i awoke to find myself on the cold pavement west of heber arizona I was lying on my stomach, my head on my right forearm, and cold air brought me instantly awake. Whoa. So. I mean, at least they let him sleep through whatever the hell else happened that. That's true. Five days. At least they're like, take, take a night off. Like, we'll just put you right back on the sidewalk. So. Um, okay. So he's back. And as soon as he called his brother-in-law, Dwayne immediately drove over to phoenix Dwayne found out that he was there Mm -hmm. and before reporting that he was found he immediately drove him to phoenix to meet with a civilian ufo research group oh my god Dwayne! also a civilian ufo research group what other i guess military yeah i'm sure there's Mm. we'll talk about area 51 one day don't worry oh god so he i guess had already arranged a meeting with them that if Travis were to ever show up, they promised to arrange an exam for him by two medical doctors and a hypnotist. So the second he showed up, Dwayne was like, get in the car. We're going to Phoenix. Oh, fuck. Get in, loser. We're getting hypnotized. (laughs) And so... Get in, loser. And so uh, the UFO research group, I don't know what it stands for, but it was APRO, APRO. Oh, um, it stands for aerospace. I would imagine it's like American paranormal research organization all right you know what fine take it away from okay. me it's fine oh no maybe it's arizona phoenix research organization that's definitely what it is whatever um so anyway they it got wind that apro was working with um travis to see what happened and who calls but the national Enquirer? <laughs> And My favorite. They promised to finance the entire investigation in exchange for cooperation and access to the Walton family. Love it. And APRO said sure. <laughs> APRO <was> like, <laughs> because mean, APRO needed it. And APRO has no reason to say no. APRO's just open minded, that's all. <laughs> APRO just understands a dollar when he sees it. <laughs> so um so when hypnotized, Walton this is something that was abnormal from other abductee cases when he was hypnotized uh travis's conscious recall and unconscious memory said the exact same thing like he was able to (gasps) say the story verbatim regardless of whether or not he was conscious okay and he could account for only at most two hours of the five days he was gone oh wow whereas all the other abductees were able to talk about all these things that they did and all these people they talked to But he really blacked out most of it. I mean, it's probably good. Yeah. And then other than those two hours, they tried to ask him other questions about other time to see if they could crack through his memory and figure out what happened. And Travis said there was an impenetrable mental block and actually said that if the regression continued, he would die. Uh, Oh, what? Like the aliens put a thing on him where they were like, you can't access these or else he'll die. Or else your brain will explode or something. Who knows? Jesus. So the medical exam between the two doctors revealed that he was in totally good health, but there were two things that they noticed. One was a small red spot in the crease of his right elbow (gasps) that looked like there was an injection, but not near a vein. Then the second thing is they looked at his urine. So I guess he did not pee. Okay, great. Fabulous. And there was a lack of ketones, 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 
Um, and apparently, if you go five days with little or no food, your body should have a high level of ketone in your urine. Oh, so you think... And oh, so, so they think that he was being nourished. Either he was being nourished or he was like... Or even if he wasn't being nourished, if he he was somehow thriving and, in and it didn't show up yeah. anyway. Okay. I don't know. They don't really know. They just thought it was an abnormality it in is, his health. Yeah, sure. Um, they also found it odd that there were no bruises on him, even though he had been like thrown from oh, the beam onto the right, ground. Right. So they were like, how come you're not scratched up? So they thought that was weird. So the national Enquirer also wanted a polygraph and instead of from the other crew members, they wanted one from Travis himself. Right. Before the exam, he admitted that he had smoked marijuana in the past and he and his best friend, Mike had in the past committed check fraud. And he admitted to both of those things just in case there was any. Yeah. Just to get any outliers oh, out of the way. Oh, smoked weed. You know what? This whole story it's is... It's 75. It's 1975. Shit. No, I don't believe anything anymore. <laughs> um, it's the drugs. Yeah, it's the drugs. Well, I guess they wanted to know that in advance because skeptics are think that he was just high the whole sure, time. Sure, 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 sure. Um, so Travis says that... He was high for five full days. Five whole... That sounds like a... But he was fully nourished and all his ketones yeah, were in balance. His ketones were fine. What the fuck? He just really went on a good trip. <laughs> oh, no. So Travis says that the polygraph examiner was behaving unprofessionally uh -oh. and insisted while the um examiner insisted that travis failed the polygraph and tried to cheat what at one point how do you try to okay just go on sorry at one point like tried to cheat so that it would say that he was telling the truth okay but like tried to cheat by like by uh, a series of like holding your breath a certain oh, way so like trying was to trying to your, trying the, to make it look like he was the telling the truth that yeah. he wasn't reacting okay at one point, Travis says that the examiner asked Travis if he had colluded with anyone to perpetrate a hoax. Like, was like, did you, is uh -huh. this a prank? Uh -huh. And Travis said he didn't know what the word colluded meant. And apparently the examiner was really, like, snooty to him about it and got really aggressive and said, colluding means planning or conspiring with someone just like you did with your <gasps> forged payroll checks. So, like, was trying to pick a what fight. A dickhead. But so then... To get him riled up. I mean, you're not to, supposed to get them, like, emotionally... To get him riled up so that he, it would look like he was lying on the polygraph. Right. You start sweating and we're all screwed. Exactly. So, um, the Walton family, APRO, and the National Enquirer all agreed to keep the results of that polygraph a secret because the examiner's objectivity was, like, in the way of it. Like, it definitely messed with the results. Yeah. Because he was pissing this him off on purpose. He had his own problems. He was... Or he, like, desperately wanted to not find out that aliens are real. <laughs> so yeah, again, his own problems. Travis later took two other additional polygraph exams and passed them. And that, like, so a lot of people immediately, because obviously at this point, word had gotten out that he was alive and fine. And he had passed two polygraph tests that were public. And everyone was like, oh, aliens are real. This guy got abducted. But then word got out that there was that former polygraph that was kept secret and it looked like he wasn't telling the oh. truth on it. And so then all of these skeptics came out saying, okay, but how about that one hidden one they don't want you to know about uh -huh, where uh -huh, uh -huh. he didn't pass the test. And then skeptics also say that there was a strong financial motive for all of this. Like if it didn't really happen, it happened for money. Sure. And they think it was a prank because um, <clears throat> we all knew that Mike Rogers, this is what they were saying. We all know that Mike Rogers is not able to complete his contract with the Forest Service. And so he must have set this all up so that he could um, invoke the 
act of God clause to dissolve the contract oh, without fault. Shit. <clears throat> Everyone else that believes in ghosts was saying that's not valid because not once during this disappearance did Mike ever say that he was going to invoke the act of God clause. Like he never even mentioned that you guys are just looking for something. Right. Like he wasn't saying, oh, well, guess now I got it. <clears throat> exactly. Like if he wanted, if he did he would this, have on- taken advantage of it. Exactly. He had five days. So the sheriff also said that Walton might have been hit on the head and drugged and taken to a normal hospital where he had confused the details of his exam. And <laughs> they confused the details of, <clears throat> of, of helmet gold eyed man. Listen, some nurses really do look like sometimes nurses look like that. And that's like OK. Gray aliens. Um, this was dismissed because no hospital had records of him. Oh, shit. That's interesting. And the exam had no trace of head trauma or drugs in his system. Oh, wow. Um, so skeptics also noted that the Hill incident, the Betty and Barney Hill had recently been broadcast on NBC just a few weeks before his disappearance. So they think he mm-hmm. might have been inspired to make up his own story. So Walton, they thought that they thought that Travis might have been inspired to start a prank that had to do with an abduction because the show had just come out. Right. And also his best friend Mike admits that he watched at least a portion of the program. So they think that they conspired together or colluded, you know. What does that mean? Oh, it's like when you like forge your paychecks and all that. Oh, shit. When I do that. Yeah. So in 1978, Travis wrote a book called The Walton Experience that detailed his claims with the abduction. But in 1983, um, the book was adapted into a film called Fire in the Sky. And it was distributed by Paramount. But Paramount admits that his real story wasn't dramatic enough. So most of the movie is rewritten to (gasps) be scarier than it actually was. Shit. So, you know, take it with a grain of salt. What's the movie called? Fire in the Sky. Fire in the Sky. Um, currently Travis sponsors his own UFO conference in Arizona called the sky fire summit. So we got to go to that one day. I'm there. And, uh, Travis appeared on a game show on Fox called the moment of truth and was asked if he was abducted and the polygraph on the show said that he was lying. I thought it was going to be family feud, but I guess. Nope. They said he was lying. It said it was, he said he was lying. I mean, they're not whatever 100 percent accurate right only 97 percent of the time polygraphs no mm-hmm. way less than that that's well, why that they're not art. used as admissible evidence you know for a long time when i was younger i wanted to be a polygraph examiner growing up i mean i didn't know but i sort of knew because i feel like because like, you know me because i know you so in 2016 he appeared on ghost adventures with your best friend slash boyfriend zach baggins there it is and in 2017 <clears throat> this is how like people are still trying to like figure this out Jesus. this was last year um, the Frontier Analysis Limited organization reported the soil composition of the location directly beneath the UFO that night, and they found two abnormalities in the soil where Travis was standing. Okay. Um, so they found that iron, high amounts of iron were in the site soils compared to control soils, like a, oh. like crazy higher amounts of iron were in the particles, and calcium, magnesium, and potassium were all significantly higher in the samples as well oh, as iron. Interesting. So what that means is there usually there'd be a natural reason for that, like clay deposits influencing the chemical changes. Sure. Um, and that's usually like the possible reason, but that's just for the calcium, magnesium, and potassium. If just those three were really high in the soil, then they would have excused it with something like that. But the increased iron cancels out that theory and any plausible theory to date. <gasps> so to this day, it makes no sense like naturally 
why there would be that high of iron in the particulates of that soil. And the only thing they can explain it with is UFOs. Wow. So their determination currently is that, or one of the possible ways that the iron levels were so high is because in a hovering craft propulsion system, there is a powerful electromagnetic effect that would have drawn out iron to the top of the soil. And while hovering, an electronic force field theoretically surrounds the craft to protect it from everything. And that also causes an ionizing effect on the materials nearby. Holy so the shit. only the only excuse they have and the only answer they have is that there was a UFO as oh, of last that's year. That's the only like thing that explains it. The only plausible theory is that a UFO was there. Oh, my God. I know that one was really long. I tried to make it shorter than usual. No. I, like, couldn't do it. So. Let's go to Snowflake. Oh, okay. <laughs> do you pride yourself on finding the best deals and savings? Yes, it's me. I'm raising my hand. Rakuten is the smartest way to save money when you shop. Get cash back at over 3,500 stores across every single category, including fashion, beauty, home essentials, travel, dining, and so much more. Shop brands like Macy's, Adidas, YSL Beauty, Samsung Petco, just to name a few. Plus, membership is free and it's easy to sign up. Cashback rates change daily. Here's how it works. Stores pay Rakuten a commission for sending them shoppers, and then Rakuten shares a commission with its members via check or PayPal quarterly. And you better believe how exciting it is when your PayPal alerts you that you've gotten money. It's no wonder Rakuten has 17 million members who are already saving. Start all your shopping at Rakuten.com. That's R-A-K-U-T-E-N.com. Or get the Rakuten app to start saving today. Your cashback really adds up. This episode is brought to you by Progressive, where drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. Plus, auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Quote now at Progressive.com to see if you could save. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. All right, my turn. Okay. Ready? Yeah. This is a big one. Is it a long one? Yeah. Okay. Okay. This is a big one, a good one, and one that we've gotten a lot of requests for. Jeffrey Dahmer. No. Okay. Albert Fish. No. Um, we already did Ted Bundy. It's not that. It's not. It's not like a big notorious case. It is a big notorious case, but it's not one that you've necessarily heard of. Oh, then I don't know what. It's the story of Robert Picton. Oh, yes. The pig farmer. I know about that. I only remember Picton because one of our listeners literally did the notes for us. Oh. <laughs> and emailed us and said, like, went above and beyond of just like, hey, uh, here's a really cool story. Um, it's not, I'm not just going to give you a request. I'm literally going to do the research for you. And then gave us a Word document. Oh, well, uh, oops. Did you not remember that? And did your no, own notes I, anyway? I did my own notes. Whoops. Okay. Well, I'm not going to use someone else's research anyway. I would have. <laughs> And I would have read it on the fly just to see live reactions. All right. Well, thank you to whoever that was because you put it in my brain. And a lot of people have requested this. Um, it's a very well-known case. And um, we got a couple more requests this week. Okay, go ahead. Crack into it. Fabulous. Wait. Thanks. Effervescent. Gross. So let's crack into it. We just did. Let's go. 
Robert Willie Picton was born on October 24th, 1949. My lucky number. When uh, Robert Picton's mother died in 1979, he and his brother David inherited the family pig farm in British Columbia outside of Vancouver, and he began to run an unlicensed slaughterhouse on the property. OPS, this is in Canada. Yeah, okay. I was going to say, we're just skipping over that one, huh? I mean, I figured you would bring it up, so. I was trying to be respectful. Of? No one. Okay. Uh, neighbors described Picton as quiet and odd, but he ran the family farm and eventually became a multimillionaire. Oh, must be nice. It's just such an effect. Uh, From a pig slaughter farm? Mm-hmm. Okay. So that's what we should go do then, right? Yeah, let's drop <clears throat> everything. Cool. On it. Great. After a while, the Picton brothers began to neglect the farm, and in 1996, they registered themselves as a non-profit charity called... <clears throat> I'd like, I'd like you to take one guess as to what they called their slaughterhouse charity. Charity. Mm. Here's a hint. It ends in society. Okay. Mm. Bacon society? <laughs> what? I don't know. No, that's pretty good. Um, it was called the Piggy Palace Good Times Society. Oh, right. The thing that I almost said. I know that that was second on your list. Mm -hmm. Uh, And this nonprofit that they started claimed to organize, coordinate, manage, and operate special events, functions, and dances. Dances? Mm -hmm. Like hoedowns? Just dances. That was a nonprofit. Okay. Uh, of, Of worthy organizations. How clean is this? Not. Not. Okay. I was gonna drink out of it. That's the Alcatraz. The Alcatraz cup is oh. what I was referring to. I thought you meant at first the pig farm. I was like, really not. Uh, the pig farm is um, subpar. Really, the opposite, below the standard. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Okay. So these events, these like dance parties and all this, they put this in their nonprofit registration and. Um, they followed through. They started having raves and wild parties on the farm. Pig slaughter, like a wild rave on a pig slaughter farm. Yes. And the farm became notorious for these parties, and as many as 2,000 people would go wow. to the parties. Sounds like my high school parties. Yeah, except not. <clears throat> right. Mm-hmm. So attendees included a lot of sex workers and members of the local Hells Angels. It was just a lot of, like, people on the fringe of society would show up, and it was just very raucous and, like, just a party-hard kind of party. Gotcha. Um, One day in 1997, a passing car was flagged down near the pig farm by a woman at the side of the road who was naked and covered in blood. Her name was Wendy Lynn Eistetter, and she worked as a sex worker. She later told police that she had gone back to Picton's farm to have sex with him, but she fought back when he attempted to handcuff her. She managed to grab a kitchen knife and stab him with it in the stomach. Wow. Okay. Before fleeing his house and waving down a car that called an ambulance. So this is a weird detail. He. Where's the weird detail? Are you ready? Coming up. Picton and Wendy ended up in the same hospital getting treated <laughs> in Vancouver. Um, and... Nobody seemed to mind, except Wendy. Uh, an orderly found a key in Picton's pocket that fit the handcuffs on Wendy's wrist. Oh, no. So Picton was arrested, and he was charged with attempted murder. 
but the charge was dismissed in January of 1998 because Wendy had a tumultuous past and was addicted to drugs and therefore considered unreliable. Mm. So all charges were dropped. Got it. Not by her, by right, right, right. the police. Picton claimed Wendy was a hitchhiker who had attacked him, so police just went with that story. Okay. A few months later, the Pictons were sued by local officials for violating zoning ordinances because they were neglecting the agriculture that was zoned on their property. So, like, they were supposed to be a farm, and they were, like, neglecting the farm, so they were sued by locals. And they had altered a large farm building on the land for the purpose of holding dances, concerts, and other recreations. And instead of, like, doing anything about it, the Pictons, the brothers, basically ignored the pressure, the legal pressure, and instead held a 1998 New Year's party. And after that, they were faced with an injunction that banned any future parties and the police were then authorized to remove anybody who ever attended an event at the farm and then the government removed the society's non-profit status oh but it wasn't because of the parties it was because they refused to procure they were unable to procure financial statements oh okay they didn't give a shit about the rest of it right yeah they just like weren't able to show like the right tax forms so they were like we're gonna disband you as a non-profit got it anyway uh let's see over the next three years one of the workers on the farm a man named bill hiscox started noticing that women who would visit the farm would eventually vanish Hmm. hiscox reported his suspicions to the police but there wasn't much they could do about it because it was hearsay and they didn't have a warrant right basically what hiscox and what some other people reported was that i'll just tell you what robert picton would do okay he would visit nearby Vancouver's downtown east side, which was notorious for being a seedy, like, crime-ridden area. Mm-hmm. There were a lot of street gangs, biker gangs, drug dealers, pimps and sex workers, um, a lot of people. The elite of the Bacon Society. The Bacon Society. Yes. Yes. He, <laughs> Bacon Society. A lot of them had addiction problems and or were mentally ill. Um, and 80% of them came from outside Vancouver, but the rest, a lot of them were indigenous women. So like, look like Native Americans. Mm-hmm. And what Picton would do is he would visit this neighborhood and he actually, there was a, a rendering plant nearby, which is where he would basically bring the waste of the animals, like the pig Guts body parts. And all that. Yeah. yeah, exactly. And he would dispose of them there, and then he would wander the strip. And so that was his excuse for going to the neighborhood. Mm. And then he would wander the strip and talk women into coming back to his property by promising drugs and money. Imagine, like, being covered in, like, pig remains and, like, oh, by hitting the way, up a girl. He didn't use gloves, and the people at the plant were, like, they later, at, way later, were, like, yeah, we always noticed him because he refused to wear gloves. And we would offer him gloves, and he wouldn't put them on. So, like, he was literally filthy. And imagine that guy approaching you and hitting on you and saying, come back to my farm. Mm-hmm. I'm covered in pig guts. But that's why he was there, because he was preying on vulnerable women mm. who had, you know, addictions and who needed the money for their families or whatever. Right. Like, he just preyed on women who he knew didn't have much of a choice. So he would talk these women into coming back, and then they would get into his car and go back to his farm. So... In the spring of 1999, an informant told the Vancouver police that a single mother and drug addict, (laughs) single mother and drug addict. Okay. Great. Perfect combo. Sorry. I copy and pasted that. A single mother named Lynn Ellingson had told this informant that she had seen a woman's body hanging in Picton's slaughterhouse and that he had been skinning 
the woman's body. No. And when she was questioned by police, Ellingson initially denied the story. And I fucking bet. Yeah. Yeah. She was like, I didn't see shit. Um, Much later, she admitted that she had seen the body and that she had seen him skinning the body. I know. But she didn't report it because uh, Picton was dangerous and she depended on him for money and drugs. Yeah. He could have killed her. Yeah. If I saw someone skinning another human being, that is the most closed my mouth will ever be because it's like, okay, you can clearly skin a person and not feel bad about it. I'm not about to be your next victim. Yeah. Especially if you're dependent on that person. Yeah. Yeah. For your livelihood. Um, so around that same time in 1999, Bill Hiscox, that same employee on the farm, uh, contacted the police a second time because he had heard from one of Picton's close friends, Lisa, that there, Lisa yelled that there was, that she had seen women's clothing, uh, purses and IDs at Picton's farm and house. Mm-hmm. So he contacted them again. Like he was the one who originally was like, something fishy's going on women are disappearing and the police were like we can't do anything he contacts them again and is like i heard there were like ids and clothes and jewelry and stuff of random women like at the house and the police tried to question this woman lisa but she was uncooperative and again like police did not have enough to get a warrant so they were like we gotta drop it Mm -hmm. so meanwhile in vancouver rumors of a serial killer were circulating in downtown east side um, sex trade workers began walking in groups and writing down license plates of cars. Um, people were really scared. People who ran like shelters down there were like, I remember people just disappearing. Like women would just. Vanish. Oh shit. And it was a really, really scary time. Um, in 1991, uh, the families of missing women along with advocates for sex trade workers established an annual Valentine's day remembrance walk as a memorial to murdered and missing victims. And they demanded a thorough investigation, but the police didn't really respond. And they were like, oh, we'll get to it eventually. But meanwhile, women just kept disappearing. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of criticism was brought against the Vancouver police for, you know, disregarding the fact that the victims or disregarding the victims because they were sex workers, because they were indigenous women. Like there was just no reason for the police to be that sluggish in responding to this terrifying like epidemic um in early february 2002 a truck driver who had once worked for the pictons told the police that he had personally seen illegal guns in (gasps) pictons trailer home oh no so finally the police were like okay we have finally something we can like search him for this yeah right like they finally have enough for a search warrant someone like specifically told us i saw this Mm -hmm. so that was enough so they went and searched his property. Um, they searched the pig farm, and they did indeed find several illegal and unre- unregistered guns. Uh, but they also found some items connecting several missing women to the property. The police launched an investigation into the farm while Picton was arrested on the weapons charges. He was released on bail for whatever reason. Yeah, okay. But was kept under surveillance and wasn't allowed to return to the pig farm while they were raiding it. Oh, God. So that's nice police found among other things handcuffs women's clothing and shoes jewelry and an asthma inhaler prescribed to serena abbott's way one of the missing women they found the blood of another missing woman named mona wilson on one of the walls of his trailer oh shit so it was just bad news bears on february 22nd picton was arrested again this time on murder because they finally had the evidence the dna evidence 
Meanwhile, the pig farm became the largest crime scene in Canadian history. Investigators took 200,000 DNA samples <gasps> and removed more than 600,000 samples of evidence oh. from the property. Oh, my gosh. And it, the investigation cost nearly $70 million. $70 million. Yeah. Like in the early 2000s. Wow. They found the DNA of over two dozen missing women on the Picton farm. That's crazy. They found body parts in the freezer, including the heads, hands, and feet of two girls. Was he eating them? I'll tell you. Okay. They found bones and teeth buried throughout the property. And finally, they found DNA, human DNA, in the ground up pork. Oh. Okay. So that kind of answers the question right there. Yeah, we're going we're gonna to get... Dive deep. Okay, okay. We're going to dive deep. In 2004, the government revealed that the meat Picton sold and served at his big raging parties may have been pig meat mixed with the human flesh of his victims. Which is so weird because human meat and pork are supposed to taste relatively similar. That's probably why... So, like, no one would know. Yeah. Weird. All right. So, they actually said that the police may have purchased this meat. Oh, no. Members of the police force may have purchased this meat. And the whole time they were like, oh, yeah, we can't really do anything about it. And they were fucking eating the victims. Oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah. So not only was Picton a total piece of flaming shit, he also was pretty fucking stupid. <laughs> so while he was being held in jail, a an undercover cop posed as his cellmate and questioned him about the murders. Mm -hmm. And so Picton was like, oh, this dude's, I'm going to brag to this dude. Mm -hmm. Brilliant. Stupid. Uh, he bragged about his murder spree in detail, told the man that he had killed 49 women. And he said he was disappointed in himself for not reaching 50, or as he called it, the big 5-0. Uh. He said, quote, I made my own grave by being sloppy. Doesn't that just kick you in the ass now? And then he said, I was just going to fucking do one more to make it even. And he bragged about being bigger and better than serial killers in the United States. He also described some of the ways he murdered his victims, including injecting them with syringes filled with antifreeze, <gasps> which he said would kill you in five to ten minutes. And so it was a very effective way of murdering his victims. Oh, my God. And the whole thing was recorded on video. Brilliant. And it's on the Internet. I thought you were going to say, like, and it got deleted, or no. and he lost the footage. Or <laughs> no, it's on the internet. That's wild. I When I first started researching this, that was the first thing I watched, and I went, oh, fuck no. You pl hit play, and he goes, yeah, I was so close to hitting the big 5-0. You know, I was sloppy, so I fucked up. What did you search for this? Just uh, Robert Pickton footage. Robert Pickton not even, I just wrote, like, Robert Picton. Okay. And it was, like, this is the video that sealed his fate, basically. Gotcha. But, like, oh, it's disgusting. But you can watch it. And it, it's crazy because you see the, there's, like, a camera up there and you see the undercover cop being like, yeah, what do you mean? Like, holy shit, that's so fucked up. And he's, like, playing along. Yeah, yeah. But you're also, like, what is he thinking this whole time? Like, playing along and being like, holy shit, 5-0, haha, big 5-0. You know, he's, like, yeah, playing yeah. along and it's, like. How fucked up, dude. Like, he has to play along with this guy. That's crazy. Bragging about murdering What's 50 it like women. knowing you're in a locked cell with this guy? Exactly. <laughs> right? And, and, he, and he just wants one more, you yeah, know? Yeah, and you gotta pretend to love it or else you're gonna be fucking called out. Yeah. So fucked up. 
And this is another weird detail I found in another article. So when he, so then they removed the, the cellmate, the undercover cop guy. They were like, we're going to take him out. Um, and although Picton knew that there was a security camera in the ceiling, he immediately took off all his clothes and started masturbating hmm. in the jail cell. Okay. So it was almost like he was bragging about killing all these women. The second they took that guy out, he started masturbating in Great. the cell. Yeah. Okay. Just sicko. Um, his friends, quote unquote, added fuel to the fire. They told police that he would often brag about killing the women and feeding their bodies to the pigs on the farm to get rid of the evidence. Oh. Oh which is God. another thing that investigators said probably happened, which is why they didn't find all of the mm-hmm. remains is because he would feed them to the pigs. Right. So even if they weren't necessarily in the meat or whatever, he would feed them to the pigs and then the pigs would be killed and then it would just sick. Yeah. Sick. Um, so the cops had been receiving tips about Robert Picton since 1971. So and, and how long did it take them? This was on YouTube at this point. Jesus. So like 2002. And so people were understandably pissed that it took so long to arrest him um, because new so many tips had come in mm-hmm. and they had so many opportunities to search his farm and search him. And it they just, were just so sluggish. They just never they didn't want to spend the time or the, the resources. Yeah. You know? All in all, Picton was charged with 27 murders, although even though he's admitted to 49. Yeah. And 38 of the 64 missing local women are still unaccounted for. Oh, shit. So there were, during that time, 64 women went missing. And to this day are still unaccounted for. 38 of them are still unaccounted for. And he was charged with 27 of those 64. Picton pleaded not guilty, but was ultimately sentenced to life in prison without the possibility of parole for 25 years. So, um, which is the most her second degree murder in Canada. Uh, in 2007, Canada lifted the media ban on the case, and the public finally learned some more details of what they found on the farm. And I'm going to read to you some of the things they found. Okay. And prepare yourself, because it's pretty fucked up. They found skulls cut in half with hands and feet stuffed inside of them. Ooh, okay. The remains of one victim stuffed in a garbage bag and her blood-stained clothing found in his trailer. Mm. Part of another victim's jawbone and teeth found inside the slaughterhouse. A twenty-two caliber revolver with an attached dildo containing both his and a victim's DNA. What? Yeah. That's yeah. a what? That's one for the books. And he was bragging about how many different ways he killed his victims. There was also, they found an electric saw with one of the victim's DNA on it. Mm. So Robert Picton is the most prolific serial killer in Canadian history. Uh, In 2016, so recently, Picton was back in the news when he wrote an autobiography called Picton, in his own words, Mm. in which he claims he was innocent and was in fact the fall guy for the investigation and that the police just needed a scapegoat. Okay. Uh, As to how the book got published, he smuggled it out of prison by passing it to a former cellmate who was a convicted child molester. Great. Who then sent it to a friend of his in California named Michael Childress, who typed it up for him. Oh, my God. Basically, his cell... This guy transcribed a stolen manuscript from prison that a child molester gave him. Yes. Got it. 100%. 
You got it. I hope he feels proud. So basically, he, this guy, Michael Childress, told the Washington Post that it took about a year and cost $2,500 to publish the book. <laughs> and when it was released with his name on the cover, so it was like the story of Michael Picton, in his own words, by Michael Childress. So it was like <laughs> his name as the author. Um, he posted on Facebook, I just published a book and linked to it. Oh, my God. Okay. Great. You didn't write the book even. What are you talking about? You posted on Facebook. The book itself was 144 pages. Uh, it was rambling and interspersed with passages from the Bible. Because, you know. That always makes every book better. So. That key to a good book. Uh, the book claims that Picton was set up by investigators without offering any hint at who might have killed the 26 women or why the police may have found uh, the women's DNA at his farm. Mm -hmm. So it's like offers no explanation as to why 26 of the women's DNA was there, but it wasn't him. Mm. Of course. Why so, would it be? No, why? I know. So Michael Childress later issued an apology, uh, as did the publishing company who published the book. And Childress was basically like, yeah, I looked him up on Wikipedia, but I just assumed since I read the book that, like, or the manuscript that, like, maybe he didn't do it. So I thought, oh, it can't hurt. It won't be a big deal. And then uh, this publishing company was like, shit, we didn't mean to, like... So obviously this sparked outrage, like, among the victims and their families. Yeah. And the publishing company, like, revoked their revoked the book and we're like we didn't mean to cause trouble and then amazon canada had been sell oh. selling the book and so they were like and barnes and noble and once amazon removed it apparently barnes and noble was still selling it for a while so people were like posting like fucking delete this and i looked up the book and i found this one website where you can like download like or in a sketchy way yeah some like weird, on the dark web some sketchy ass thing of like reviews of books and it was that book and there was a review by a guy named keith and it was like this book tells the story of how the police are incompetent and one man who clearly didn't do what he said he did or what the police say he did and just needed a scapegoat and i'm like he literally went on the jail internet and yeah. wrote that fucking review yeah his like, name is keith that's there's no fucking way anyway it was just absurd um so they deleted the copies off the internet Picton himself is now 68 and will hopefully rot in prison until his dying day. Yes. And here's a picture of all the women who were missing during the time. And a lot of them are still unaccounted for. Oh, that's so many people. Yeah. Um, it's just from Vancouver during the time that he was murdering women. And the upsetting thing is that um, some of these people like were confirmed to be victims found on his farm. But a lot of them, police have said, you know, if he really did decompose the bodies the way that he says he did or that his friends. There's no did, way of seeing any. It's too late. Yeah. We can't find it. And it's been, you know, decades. However many decades, yeah. And they still haven't found trace of any of these people wow. there or anywhere else. So a lot of these people are presumed to be his victims, especially when he brags about 49 plus victims. Yeah. How come when he had, he knew there was a security camera in his you know, so, I don't know. I think he just was like wanted to brag and his narcissism just got the for a second. better of him, you know. I feel like these guys sometimes just don't even care care at the time. Yeah. yeah. Wow. Anyway, that's the story of pig farmer Robert Picton. Oh great. Canada's most notorious serial killer. Oh. Ding ding ding. 
Time's up. Time's up. Time's up for you, motherfucker. I guess so. <laughs> yeah. Time's up for a lot of y'all. Wow. Do we have a geoscope after that one? Uh, sure. Or a juniper scope? <gasps> oh my god, let's do a junis- juniper scope. A juniscope? A juniscope. Baby honey bear. Oh, beep, 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 beep. She's so teeny tiny baby. For Pisces. Little baby Pisces girl, which is a fish and she's a kitten. Aw. Dear little juniper, mm-hmm. you continue to be busy with your social life, community plans, and various groups and clubs. Yes. <laughs> Nevertheless, delectable Venus in your home zone could draw your attention to domestic chores that need to be done, especially those that help keep your place happy and harmonious. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I wish. <laughs> with so much going on in your social world, you might enjoy entertaining people in your home. If you do, it should go very well. Well, it hasn't so far, but we'll keep keep trying. (laughs) You might enjoy... If you do, you'll certainly impress them. Mm, Most of us. Most of us. Just not. All but one. Just not you. However, you might need to draw the line and say no to too many requests for help. (laughs) This weekend could see you reaching out yet again to assist another when you might be better off taking a long rest. (laughs) Oh my god. This doesn't mean that you shouldn't help at all, just that you might need to set some limits. If someone else can step in and take your place, so much the better. Is there a um a relationship like a Scorpio oh, Pisces? Oh my god. Let's right. see if they are a match made in heaven eventually. Let's do this. Let's do this. Scorpio and Pisces. Pisces are naturally sensitive and instinctively know what others need, even before they ask. She's always the first to arrive at a friend's or family member's doorstep to offer assistance. Mm-hmm. In a world full of takers, a Pisces woman, kitten, is, a truly, is truly a breath of fresh air, for she gives unconditionally. Aww. Um, she dreams of being loved immensely. She's often lost in La La Land, so she matches well with someone who's capable of snapping her out of it (laughs) and gently bringing her back to reality. Right, yes. She's truly an amazing partner, for she knows how to love unconditionally. Scorpio is desired by many women. (laughs) Oh, well, ain't that the truth, Gio? But his elusive heart can only be won by one. His elusive heart can only be won by one. He is not the type to take advantage of his admirers because he takes love seriously. Yeah. <laughs> Bullshit. This man is very intense in everything he does, and love is no exception. He does not want to waste his time and effort on someone who might break his heart. Aww. He wants to be in control, so his partner must be submissive. <laughs> she must be very careful not to ruffle his feathers or his butt curtain i added that <laughs> his butt ruffles his butt ruffles with actions that will trigger jealousy his- so what i'm hearing what i'm hearing is that once geo gives her an opportunity it's gonna be an emotional emotional so time serious like he's never gonna let her go yeah it's yeah. just a matter of time they're gonna be bffs for the rest of time it's just a matter is of what time. you're hearing oh yeah i'm hearing it what tell the people where to find us you can find us at Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Patreon at ATWWD Podcast. Please help us. Please donate. Um, you're the reason that we're able to do all this. You can find us at our website, and that's why we drink.com. You can find our merch at and that's why we drink.bigcartel.com. We added some new stuff. 
You can find our email, and that's why we drink at gmail.com, where you can send in your listeners' stories. We put out a new listeners' episode at the first of every month. And Eva's doing those now, so you can say hi to her. Oh, we're going to CrimeCon, which I, I don't think you can still use the code, can you? No, because when this comes out, it's over. Oh, yes. We were already <laughs> at CrimeCon, so never mind. Um, we go have, listen to our Wine and Crime episode. Go listen to our Wine and Crime episode. Go listen to our May 1st listeners episode that we put out last week. Mm-hmm. We also have a live show on Father's Day that's already sold out at the Hollywood Improv Theater. And... Oh, we forgot to announce this. We have another live show. Guys. was big news. We... And also, no, we don't have a link yet for where you can buy the tickets. But as soon as we have it, we will post it everywhere for you. But you guys know how seriously we take our birthday. So seriously. Too seriously. And we have a birthday live show. Yes! As of today. Irvine, California on my birthday, June 3rd, to ring in midnight, which becomes Christine's birthday on June 4th. If you're not there, you're a big dummy. So get ready. If you're in the California area, if you can get to Irvine by June 3rd, just be ready to purchase tickets. We'll post it wherever we can. And in the meantime, if you want to send us any fan mail, which we will open in our monthly fan mail video for our Patreon donors, uh, you can mail it at 1920 Hillhurst Ave, number 265, Los Angeles, California, 90027. Good job. That's impressive. Yes. That is correct. And I think that's it. Guys, thank you for listening. Yeah. We love you. We love you. Eva, thank you for editing. Thank you for editing, Eva. And there's a lot of fun stuff on the horizon. We can't wait to share it with you. And we can't wait to meet you in person. And we are excited about... Thank you in advance to everyone in Nashville that we saw last night at the meetup. Thank you in the past in advance. Thank you from the past to the future, (laughs) but also the past again. Yeah. Because it's, uh, as we're saying this, it is our future. But when you hear this, it is our past. Uh So thank you for the in-between where we are going to meet all of you and our moms are going to meet you. Wow. And thank you to everyone coming to our May 20th live show at the Hollywood Improv Theater and our June 17th live show at the Hollywood Improv Theater. Everyone who actually shows up in a shirt in Nashville or attends our CrimeCon live show. Thank you. Thank you. And thank you in advance to everyone that comes to the Irvine show oh, June man. 3rd. Oh, man. We Heart, will keep you updated. Hardy, hardy, man. Whew. And then we are also, we can't, not we can't tell you because it's a secret, but we can't tell you because we truly don't know, but we are planning other shows for the East Coast soon. We're looking at D.C., New York, Chicago, Philadelphia. Philadelphia. So those are all potentials, but we truly don't know anything and they're very far in the future. Yep. So, get ready. Get ready, guys. We're getting ready. And that's why we drink. (laughs) We're champions. In a fast-paced world, every day brings new challenges and new opportunities. At Strayer University, we know a thing or two about getting and staying ahead of change. For over 130 years, we've been providing students like you with innovative tools and customized support. So you can find your way forward and always keep striving. Visit Strayer.edu to learn more. Strayer University is certified to operate in Virginia by CHEV and has many campuses, including at 2121 15th Street North in Arlington, Virginia.